We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. All right, welcome back. Hour two underway here of Sports Talk Saturday on WGR, our first afternoon hour, and going to the Wester Hotline now. And joining me live is Matt Lombardo. Matt is a um, reporter, a national NFL reporter over for Fanside. And Matt, first and foremost, man, been a little while. Thanks for joining me. Uh, how's the new year been for you? Have you obviously a lot of great, exciting football? Football's been extended a week this year. Uh, have, have you felt it in your bones like the NFL guys felt it in their bones after that extra week? Yeah, absolutely. And Nate, it's kind of funny you bring that up because I don't think any of us have seen an NFL divisional round quite like we saw no. last weekend. I don't know that we'll see it again. And as I wrote in my national column on Fansided on Wednesday, that Patrick Mahomes versus Josh Allen game wasn't just maybe the best quarterback play, the best quarterback duel that we've seen maybe in decades. But I think it's going to change the way the NFL handles the quarterback position because if you don't have a Patrick Mahomes, a Josh Allen, a Joe Burrow, or a Justin Herbert, rather than paying a Baker Mayfield or a Lamar Jackson $40 million, you might be just as soon to cut bait and keep going back to that well in the draft. I think that that game is going to transcend the way teams build their rosters and view the quarterback position maybe for years to come. Well, listen, like the great guest you are, your your response there has pivoted me into like four different directions. And I, I think it's probably right to, to talk about the AFC at large before we get into the Giants and about Dable and Dorsey and what that's going to look like and Joe Shane, obviously. But, you know, you mentioned a name in there. Uh, you know, you mentioned Baker Mayfield, but you mentioned Lamar Jackson in there and I, I think that the Ravens are really sort of approaching crunch time in their would you call it a Super Bowl window because last year obviously with all the injuries I, I just I've never seen anything quite like the injuries that the, and the bad luck that happened to the Ravens this year they move on from Wink Martindale um, they bring in the defensive coordinator for Michigan which I think is an, an interesting move I think Wink is one of the more respected offensive play callers in all the league um, obviously what had happened to that defense last year was not his fault he was down his three top corners you know they lost Matthew Judon in the offseason uh, Patrick Queen hasn't come along the way that they thought so like what is the outlook for the Ravens right now and with you know, Lamar going into his fifth-year option this year and no long-term contract in place, that's you're you're risking, you know, him having a, a, a Lamar Jackson MVP-level year and his cost going way up, or, Matt, you're risking 
maybe him losing his value this year if he has another season like he did last year. Yeah, I kind of agree. And I think there's two schools of thought when you look at Lamar Jackson. Number one, he has the MVP on his mantle that guys like Burrow, Herbert, and Allen don't yet have. He doesn't have the supporting cast and the weapons around him that you see in Buffalo, Kansas City, and, of course, in Cincinnati, who I think has a puncher's chance of winning tomorrow afternoon in Arrowhead. But there's always going to be until he proves otherwise, questions with Lamar Jackson in terms of his deep ball accuracy, his ability to win through the air in the postseason. Now, part of that might be the fact that, you know, they had that outbreak of injuries in training camp. Part of that might be he doesn't have the elite weapons at receiver other than Hollywood Brown. But I kind of wonder where the Ravens go from here, right? Do you pay him the 25 to $30 million on past performance and kind of limit your upside building around him? Or do you go the route of the Jacksonville Jaguars in the mid-2010s where you're going to build an elite defense, an elite power running game, add a couple of receivers through the draft or free agency over the next couple of years, and you're going to allow Lamar Jackson to go elsewhere or trade him. And as we talked about earlier, keep going back to the well at the top of the NFL draft and trying to get a quarterback with a ready-made roster around him. So I think it's the Ravens situation, given the you know emergence of the Bengals as one of the teams to beat in the AFC, given the you know power running game and dominant defense in Cleveland, they're kind of walking the razor's edge between being in the mix and staring down the barrel of having to rebuild a roster around a quarterback who might not be there yet. Yeah, it's listen, they've got, I think, a really interesting season and offseason ahead of them. They, it's not like they're flush with cash either to just go out and start spending. They, they've got a first-round rookie last year in, in Bateman that really, I mean, obviously the injury did not help him, um, but like they're going to... They're going to have to figure that out. Like, is he and is he going to be the number one receiver they drafted him to be? You know, are they going to bring back Sammy Watkins, or is they going to move on for like they've got some decisions to make on that roster? And you know, is Dobbins going to come back the same? So the Ravens to me are really interesting in the hierarchy of the AFC. But so is now the addition of Nathaniel Hackett in Denver and what that means for the Denver Broncos' chances of acquiring Aaron Rodgers. I would say that if you're George Patton, you probably don't take Hackett. I'll, you can tell me. You can tell me to your blue in the face that you don't bring Nate Hackett with an eye towards Aaron Rodgers, but stop being disingenuous. We know that that connection may not be the only reason, but it's certainly 30%, right? 35% of the reason that you bring a guy like Nathaniel Hackett in. Because frankly, Matt, is Hackett on the short list in any other opening right now? I tend to agree there. And it's, you know, I think it's 40% with an eye towards recruiting Aaron Rodgers to Denver. And I think it's 60% with an eye towards, okay, we have elite talent on defense. We've shown that we can win games with our defense. That side of the ball is ready to go. And whether it's Aaron Rodgers or trading for Derek Carr or perhaps Russell Wilson shakes loose from Seattle after trying to talk his way out of the Seahawks organization each of the last two off seasons. Now, all of a sudden, with Nathaniel Hackett, given what he's been able to do the last two years, helping elevate Aaron Rodgers from an elite quarterback to an MVP quarterback the past two seasons, perhaps that's a more desirable destination for a veteran quarterback. And it's also a a head coach with the track record of maximizing a quarterback's talent. So if you're going that way in the draft, you don't have a Vic Fangio or a Dan Quinn or a Leslie Frazier at head coach. 
you have an offensive-minded quarterback guru to develop that quarterback. So I, I think at bare minimum, it's 35 40, 40% trying to lure Aaron Rodgers to Denver. But I think it's also a move hiring Hackett that puts you in prime position to maximize your quarterback position if you're the Denver Broncos, who might be a quarterback away from being an AFC wildcard next mm. year. Interesting. Yeah, and, and listen, I mean, I just think if you're if you are Aaron Rodgers, though, Matt, like how how much should the path through the AFC being I don't know four times as difficult as it as it appears to be in the NFC right now? How much should that actually play? Because I think maybe you're looking at the best two situations for Rodgers being in the AFC. I keep hearing the Indianapolis Colts name be brought up because I think they give Rodgers a route to not only get Rodgers in into a situation that is probably a quarterback away from being a legitimate AFC contender, but they can also afford to bring in Devontae Adams too. But, you know, do they have the assets that they're willing to give up to bring those two in and then sign each of them for at least – you know, if you're Adams, a long-term deal, and if you're Rodgers, you're likely going to have to rework that contract to give him some additional money and get some guarantees in there that he'll be around for more than just one year. Like, short of that, there are some NFC teams that, that I think pop out to me. I mean, the Giants might even be one of those teams, to be honest with you, but would you make the argument that you'd have to be a special kind of insane if you're, if you're Rodgers to sign up to face the young elite quarterbacks that exist in the AFC when the route with, with Brady potentially retiring basically being you and who? Yeah, I tend to agree. And I think that if Aaron Rodgers has played his last down in Green Bay, chances are he's going to stay in the NFC, right? And I think that there are a handful of teams – and it would be the ultimate stab in the back for him to follow the Brett Favre route and go to huh. the Minnesota Vikings, who are probably looking to move off of Kirk Cousins because Cousins seemingly has taken Minnesota as far as he can take them. But you look around you know, the landscape of the NFC, Seattle would make a little bit of sense, even though I think they're more of a long-term rebuild. But I'll throw some chum in the water here for you, Nate. If Tom Brady retires... And you have a quarterback Interesting. in Bruce Arians, and they bring back Chris Godwin, Interesting. who's playing on the franchise tag this year. And you have Mike Evans, and you can go out and get an elite tight end in free agency in a really strong tight end market, maybe a Mike Kosicki, maybe an Austin Hooper, maybe an Evan Ingram, and a David Njoku out there as well, Dalton Schultz. I could see Aaron Rodgers in Tampa Bay following the Tom Brady playbook to go and try to win another Super Bowl. Mm. Buddy, that's a take, and I think it's – I love it. I, I, hadn't, I hadn't even really considered it. Um, huh. No, now, now you've got my head – now you've got my head spinning a little bit because, because I looked at – I was listening on, on my way into the show this morning, ESPN Radio, Darian and, and, and Mel – talking with Chris Canty, and Canty had brought up the Colts as like maybe a dark horse, but no talk of the the Bucks being a dark horse have I heard, and, and frankly, I think that makes maybe the best sense out of all of it. So, yeah, because you, you don't have to bring Adams with you, although I think he probably wants that. The idea of him walking into a situation like there will be in Tampa, to your point, with money to spend to in a defense that's out of the box right, like that, that is a really interesting one. Matt Lombardo here on the, uh, on the Wester Hotline with me. What do you got? And it's Florida. I mean, if you think right. about Aaron Rodgers, right. uh, there might not be a better place for him to play than in the state of Florida. Isn't that, isn't that where Joe Rogan does his? I don't know. Never mind. Never mind. Well, um, but, 
Is that where the Pat McAfee show does this show live? I don't know. Now he'll be able to do it in live in studio. Um, so, Matt, I, I want to obviously transition here into talking about the Giants with you. Um, and what I believe to be if they confirm the move and they and they do end up with Dorsey and Tierney, which I think could end up being offensive coordinator, quarterbacks coach. Tierney came with Dable from Alabama to Buffalo. If they end up scoring Shane, Dable, um, Dorsey, and Tierney, and, and then they get Wink Martindale as their defensive coordinator, which it's rumored could be the favor to land uh, Martindale. I'm hard-pressed to find anyone remotely close. Now, we still have several openings, and this could change. And if Las Vegas ends up with you know McDaniels and, and some good coordinators there, and maybe it's Mayo and McDaniel going – like, that could be a really nice piece. But I, I'm having trouble, Matt, finding a team in a franchise that has – had a better start to the offseason than the New York Giants. And I know it's coming from a guy that watched Dable here in Buffalo for a while, so maybe I'm a little biased in thinking he's going to be a great head coach. But I think they absolutely slam-dunked the GM hire and then subsequently now the head coach hire. I don't think anyone has really gotten close to what the Giants have been able to do this offseason. Yeah, no, Nate, I agree. And I wrote about this in my column on Fansided on Wednesday that the Giants have lost 100 games over this decade. They've had five straight losing seasons. They've fired three consecutive head coaches in two years or less. This is an organization that needed a culture change. It needed a clean sweep. And it, it needed John Mara, the owner, quite frankly, to take his hands off the wheel and allow the football operations staff to build a staff, a front office and a coaching staff that has alignment that was important to Mara and, and ownership. They have it now with Joe Shane and Brian Dable. And it's a situation where they're going to build an offense around Daniel Jones and try to establish some continuity for him going into his fourth season. They have some talent in place. And I think that this is a franchise now with stability. If they can, you know, win some games and turn this thing around in a very winnable division, they might look back at this offseason as a watershed moment of where the New York Giants went from being one of the bottom dwellers in the NFL to one of the premier franchises yeah. in the league once again. I think Dable has that ability, and I think it's telling about this situation because the Miami Dolphins were very much in yes, they were Brian Dable. And Brian Dable had real interest in reuniting with Tua Tagovailoa. I think it speaks volumes to Joe Shane and how Dable views him that he chose Shane and the Giants with all of their cap issues, their limited assets, over going to South Beach mm. and reuniting with Tua. So to me, that optimism should be felt by the Giants, uh, just as it has obviously by Dable. Mm. Yeah, I, I think that's right. And, and listen, I think the Daniel Jones factor here too, um, is, is Matt, I, I think is maybe a good endorsement of him, right? That Brian Dable believes there's something there that he can sort of unearth. And listen, I think if you are going to marry – a and and good on John Mara, by the way, Matt. Good on John Mara for coming out and saying, you know what, like this, Daniel Jones, where he is, this is our fault. Um, I think that was important for if you're moving forward with Daniel Jones. That transparency, I think, is important for a young quarterback who, by the way, has probably gotten a lot of blame, and he's going to be on his third offensive coordinator in as many years now, right? I mean, third, three, and four, whatever he's going to end up being here, Matt. Like. If anyone is going to be able to see, to finally get, and this is what I think, Matt, the the Cleveland Browns wanted to find out last year about Baker Mayfield was was this guy is this guy the quarterback of the future with a good roster around him? Well, now if you're the Giants, short of some sort of injury like Baker Mayfield sustained last year for the Browns, 
there's a good chance you can close the book on Daniel Jones. Whether or not he's your quarterback moving forward or if you need to move on, you are going to absolutely get your best opportunity to do that with Dorsey and with, with, uh, with Dable. If Dorsey follows suit, and I wrote about this this morning, Nate, he has a real decision to make. Sure. Oh, yes, he does. If he follows Brian Dable and becomes a play caller, he's not necessarily going to be calling the plays for Dable with mm. Daniel Jones. But if Daniel Jones has the kind of year that the Giants hope that he does if they rebuild the offensive line and he throws for you know 25 touchdowns, cuts his interceptions in half, and the Giants win 10 games, then Dorsey's going to be one of the hot commodities next offseason. But that's a little bit of an unknown still. And the Giants are kind of beginning a rebuild while evaluating their quarterback. Right. If Ken Dorsey stays in Buffalo with Josh Allen, who's an MVP caliber quarterback already, if he's the play caller for Sean McDermott, he's going to be the number one candidate out there. And, and, and it comes down to risk versus reward. It comes down to comfortability with, with Dable versus, you know, emerging as the face of that offense in Buffalo. So to me, this isn't a slam dunk that Ken Dorsey chooses the Giants, and I'm not so sure that uh, Brandon Bean is going to make it an easy decision for Ken Dorsey to leave. He told us on a conference call last week that they really like their staff and they're going to do what they can do to keep it together. And I would think that if Ken Dorsey leaves to go to the New York Giants, it's only after turning down a strong overture from being in the Bills to stay as the offensive coordinator. Yeah, I, I do think the Bills will be giving an all-out blitz here um, to try to keep and retain Dorsey, but it, it may not be that easy considering I think the Giants, from what it sounds like, are going to be willing to put up the money in order to do it. And and to your point, if, if Dorsey's goal here, Matt, is to be a head coach, Certainly, there's no doubt that Josh Allen and playing and working with Josh Allen could get you to that platform, but nobody may look at, you know, people may just automatically say, well, it's Josh Allen. Josh Allen doesn't matter who's calling plays. You know, maybe he doesn't get the credit he maybe deserves if he helps Josh Allen get to the next level. But I tell you what, if he makes, if he is part of the reason that Daniel Jones becomes a franchise quarterback, you could put him on the short list of head coaching candidates in the next two years. And I think that's something he's going to have to weigh. Oh, no doubt about it. And it's just a matter of how much do you believe in Brian Dable and Daniel Jones and you sacrifice a play calling. I mean, there are head coaches out there. Eric Bieniemy, one of the reasons sure. he hasn't landed a head yep. coaching job is because he hasn't called plays for Patrick Mahomes. And to my understanding, and you obviously follow the Bills a lot closer than I do, Brian Dable called the plays for Josh Allen over the last three years, even if Ken Dorsey worked to develop him he would have the opportunity to finally be a play caller. And if the Bills do go in and not go off the Chiefs and go to a Super Bowl, you're going to walk into a job next year. And I think that there's a, a surer thing that Josh Allen is going to be an MVP caliber quarterback than there is that Daniel Jones with a patchwork offensive line is going to elevate to that level. And you wouldn't be calling plays in New York. Now, obviously, there's there, there are drawing cards for both. And only Ken Dorsey at this point knows what he would prefer to do. Matt, thank you so much, my friend, uh, for joining me. As always, love the insight and appreciate you being so generous with your time. Enjoy uh, the, the slate of games this weekend. I don't know if I'll have the energy or the... Uh, you know, the intestinal fortitude to turn them on. I'm going to bet the hell out of them. But uh, watching football after that uh, after that uh, divisional round game may be a little difficult for a lot of folks here in Western New York. But uh, regardless, we appreciate you jumping on and, and, and talking some ball with us. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll definitely do it again headed into the offseason, my friend. 
You got it, brother. Thanks for having me on, Nate. Appreciate you. Of course. Matt Lombardo there, a fan side, joining us on the West Her Hotline. I'm going to take a timeout because my man, Marcel Louis-Jacques of ESPN, joins us next to talk about the Dolphins' offseason plans. No Brian Dable. What is next? We'll get all of that. We'll get the skinny out of Miami. That's coming up next here on WGR. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. All right, everybody, welcome back in at the halfway mark of today's Sports Talk Saturday show on WGR. And as always, going back to our Western hotline, because joining me is my good buddy, Marcel Louis-Jacques. He covers the Miami Dolphins for ESPN. Um, we should do. We should start this. Well, first of all, I'm going to be in Miami in two weeks, so I'm coming down to visit. Marcel's got a nice short list of food places that I'm going to need to visit while I'm in Miami. Um what was the most recent dish that has absolutely helped you forget about Buffalo? Not truly really forget about Buffalo, but has helped you transition your lifestyle into Miami other than the, the good weather. Like, what was the most recent meal you had that was like, yeah, all right, like, Buffalo slaps, but, like, I'm happy I'm home? Oh, man. I actually just this week went to this seafood joint called Mignonette down the street from my place in Edgewater. I uh, went with a few friends, and we had, I mean, we had a time, man. Started off with some some raw oysters, some char-grilled oysters, a little bit of fried conch. Mm. Um, I had a lobster roll that was, I mean, a fresh lobster roll. It tasted like at least, like, just so juicy, so buttery. Oh, it, it, it really blew me away, man. So, can't, uh, look, there's some good seafood places in Buffalo. Like, shout out, it's, it's Gabutsu, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. There's some great seafood in Buffalo. But, man, like the seafood in Miami is it's tough to top. What was the name of that restaurant again, Marcel? Mignonette. Oh, right. So you moved, uh, you moved to Miami and now you speak French? Is that, uh, is that what I'm getting here? You, you are the one who said my entire name not three minutes ago. That's, that's a good point. I, I guess, I guess, that's, um, I, guess I, I, I should probably eat my words on that one. All right, well, I'll, I'll get you off of food because, you know, I don't want to make you hungry. Um, listen, man, I, I've got to admit, I absolutely saw Brian Dable making his way down for his second interview uh, as of, I believe it was Monday, and fully accepting the job in Miami. I, I just had Matt Lombardo on from Fansided, who, who does call cover a lot of what the Giants do and he was even surprised that he didn't make it to Miami I think it says a lot about his relationship with Joe Shane um, considering the cap situation in New York and and basically 
giving up an option, an opportunity to coach his former quarterback from Alabama. Overall, what is the sense, what's the feel from Dolphins fans, from the community, when I think the, there was a lot of optimism about what Brian Dable and, and, and what his potential staff would look like there in Miami would be able to do, what's the level of disappointment that, that he didn't even make it there for the second interview? Yeah, I mean, among fans, um, you know, a little bit of it is, is are, are people who truly back Mike McDaniel, mm. and then the rest is just copium like obscene amounts of copium, like people saying, you know, oh, well, he's that's a Belichick tree. He's not going to be that good. He's on the last leg of his career before Buffalo, blah, 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 blah. But the fact of the matter is, man, like from what I'm told, there's just within the Dolphins organization, there is no consensus on, on who they wanted as their head coach. I know there are a lot of reports throughout the week that Dable had a lot, had some support within the building. And that's true. He did. But the last time, I checked before, you know, Dable took the job, there were three names that, uh, you know, that people were, people who make decisions wanted. And in, in no order, it was Dable, it was Mike McDaniel, and then it was Vance Joseph. They did come to some sort of con- consensus that they wanted an offensive coach, and that ruled Joseph out, and I think inserted Kellen Moore into that top three. But, you know, there's enough legitimate interest in McDaniel uh, mostly McDaniel and then more to an extent that they were fine taking their time in getting a second interview with Brian Dable. And, you know, there's there's a fine line between not rushing the process and doing your due diligence and not operating with a sense of urgency. And, mm. of course, close to the situation told me the Dolphins are in no rush. That, that, that feels like, okay, you're not operating with any sense of urgency here. You've got teams who have hired a GM and a right. coach now, and you haven't – done your second interview with coaches yet I, I i personally look i think mike mcdaniel is a brilliant mind i think that yep. you know he he has what it takes to he's creative enough he's smart enough that he can extract a lot out of this offense as currently constructed in miami but as far as the best offensive head coaching candidate as far as you know somebody who's ready to be a head coach bona fide right now i'm i kind of skew toward the mindset that they blew it by taking their time I, I mean, you had, I, I don't know what Brian Dable's schedule was. I don't know what his interest was. I was under the impression that he was very interested in the Miami job before Joe Shane was hired. But, uh, you know, it, it, it just seems like, man, you had how long to schedule a second interview? The Giants did it right away. Yep. And you couldn't, you were, they weren't even, even if he didn't take the job, this second interview reportedly wouldn't come until next week. So what, what is the, what's, what's going on? And if you're that interested in Kellen Moore, my man's been out the playoffs for three weeks. Right, right. What is, uh, it, it just, you know, you want to wait until, you know, like, like uh, one of my favorite Boondocks episodes said, you can't criticize a robbery during the robbery. You have to wait until the robbery is over. So I'm not going to criticize the process until after the process is done. But as of right now, it seems like they're dragging their feet a little bit and it cost them a shot at Brian Dable. Yeah, and listen, I, I mean, who knows what Dable ends up being as a head coach, but like, I, I just kind of look at, for instance, I, I think about Mike McDaniel, and Mike McDaniel might be a home run for the Miami Dolphins, but he doesn't call plays, and he's going to be a first-time head coach, and he's young, and you're gonna, if you are him, you're likely going to have to surround yourself with two very veteran, like probably former head coaches as both your offensive coordinator and your defensive coordinator, but 
Marcel, I just I, I guess I'm hard pressed to think that a guy like Mike McDaniel is going to be able to walk in and and just I don't know have immediate success when I just nobody knows if he can even call plays at this level. And again, this is not to say that McDaniel maybe isn't the best offensive candidate left. Maybe Kellen Moore is up there too, and and Moore at least has some time calling plays. But man. Going with McDaniel would be a humongous leap of faith for an organization that just hired a first-time head coach and who has basically struck out in their last, what, five hires at the offensive coach business? Six hires? So, like, for for a franchise that has the pressure to get this one right, man, going with a first-time head coach who doesn't even have experience calling plays, whew, that is that is certainly risky for a general manager, who probably does not have a ton of slack on that rope left, considering his slack probably got cut pretty immensely with the firing of Brian Flores. Yeah, I think that, especially within, you know, among people who cover this team full time, none of us were. It's not that we disagreed or agreed with the Brian Flores firing, but we could listen to reasons and say, okay, like I see where you're coming from. Nobody I've spoken with can rationalize keeping Chris Greer and firing Flores. Like the the, it made sense to either get rid of both or don't get rid of any of them. And and so like that, him being here still, I mean maybe that suggests that Flores had a lot more say in personnel decisions than Greer did. But at the same time, man, you're the GM, dude. Like I know it's not your personality to butt heads, but sometimes you got pull rank. Sometimes you got to pull rank and. uh yeah, I'm not sure if that's going to be the case here with this next head coach. It might have to be, given the experience level of the remaining candidates. Uh, as far as Mike McDaniel, I mean, he does have he does have an impressive coaching tree. You know, worked the uh, same staff up, up in Washington with, you know, Sean mm-hmm. McVay and Matt LaFleur and Kyle Shanahan. And uh, he was part of those staffs in Atlanta that made them an offensive juggernaut under Dan Quinn, so much to the point that, uh, until my good friend Charles McDonald reminded me, I forgot Dan Quinn was a defensive-minded coach. Like, I forgot that he was the defensive coordinator of the Seattle Seahawks because those Atlanta teams, when he was the head coach, were so offense-heavy that it just my mind warped to say, okay, Dan Quinn knows offense. But that's not the case at all. It was Shanahan, McDaniels, that it was those guys that made the team what it is. No, he does not call play. Obviously, that is kind of a concern. Um, I, and I would guess if he came here, he would try to bring a guy like Rich Stangaro, or Stangarello, the, the quarterback coach in, uh, in in San Francisco. He'd maybe try to bring him along as well. He is young, burn about bring, filling an offensive staff out. Um, I imagine that they would try to keep the defensive staff as intact as possible. There are some rising stars here. Like, uh, you know, they, they've got safety coach, Gerald Alexander, done a mm-hmm. great job. With, uh, with Javon Holland and Brandon Jones, uh, the uh, Charles Burks cornerback coach. Obviously, he's coached up Xavier Howard, Byron Jones. You know, there are some there are some stars. Josh Boyer, the defensive coordinator. There are some names on here that you're going to want to keep around, especially if you're a first-time head coach with not a ton of experience uh, of leading entire programs or leading entire groups of people. But, I mean, people speak really highly of McDaniel. And, again, I think there's enough legitimate interest in him that they're just they're okay with letting Brian Dable be courted by the New York Giants. 
We'll see how that ends up working out. Marcel Louis-Jacques here on the Wester Hotline covers the Dolphins for ESPN. And Marcel, I want to get uh, into a little bit more roster building with you here. Obviously, it's a big offseason for the Dolphins and trying to build a roster on the offensive side of the ball around Tua. And obviously, when you, when you look at the wide receiver position, Marcel, I can't say that it's a unit that has like glaring needs. It's not super deep, but I think Devontae Parker, if he's healthy, is a really solid wide receiver two option. Obviously, Waddle is a bona fide number one wide receiver in the NFL. Um, outside of just finding an offense that maybe utilizes their skill sets better, is this an organization that's going to prioritize bringing Mike Gusecki back at, at a number that, by the way, Marcel, will probably be pretty high? I'm not sure he'll set the market at tight end, but he'll probably be one of the top two contracts that get signed at the tight end position this year. Is that a guy that they're going to prioritize bringing back? And and is this offense a true dynamic, let, let's throw a name, let, let's a Calvin Ridley away from really putting the pieces around Tua to maybe maximize and get him closer to his ceiling? Well, I'll give you two. I'll give you two methods they could take right now. Okay, they can do the the reasonable, the rational method, and they can try to trade for a guy like Calvin Ridley. They can use this seventy million dollars in cap space and invest in the offensive line, or maybe even draft a draft a wide receiver at the end of the first round, depending on who's available. Draft a running back and and try to just add an influx of talent. So you're saying Duke Duke Johnson is not the RB one moving forward, is what you're saying? I think he deserves a shot, but um, <laughs> I mean, I think he deserves a shot. Yeah, he ran the ball really he did. well, really hard at the end of last season. But you're going to want to draft a draft a day two running back. Enough yeah. with the nonsense. And and they can rely on a new hire who is a creative offensive mind to try to you know manufacture some space for these new additions and blah blah blah. And that, that's probably like the level headed rational approach. Sure. Or they can go full crush Davis swing for the fence and if you strike out whatever you got 70 million dollars in cap space you know who's going to cost you know you know there's i know a team that can afford this little aaron Rodgers Devonte adams pairing that rogers reportedly wants wherever he ends up going the dolphins can afford that yep. it would be a matter of do they have the assets to, to send to green bay for the rights to aaron Rodgers? i don't know they do have a first rounder next this year they've got two next year I'd assume it would maybe even take one more after that. But if you can get Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams and you still have Jalen Waddle here to throw to, then suddenly it looks like an offense that could be a little scary, particularly if you could protect him and this defense keeps up its level of play. Uh, that's not necessarily what I see happening. But if these reports are to believe that Rodgers wants to bring Adams yep. and Valdez Gantling wherever he goes, not a lot of teams can afford that. Miami can. Hmm. Uh, as far as Mike Kosicki, it depends on what that number is. I wouldn't be surprised to see him franchise tag. There is a little bit of concern about his statistical drop-off at the end of the season. Uh, the team did a lot with Durham Smite to try to maybe groom him to replace Kosicki in case that number gets too high. They did draft the tight end in the third round last year, Hunter Long, who apparently was not good enough to see the field in, in double-digit games last year. I, I'm not sure how much of a concern that is for them internally, but it's something to watch this off season. You know how he, uh, you know how he, once team practices, spring practices start, how he integrates into into the starting lineup if he does at all. Um, I think their priority free agent right now is on the other side of the ball. It's Emmanuel Agba. Spot track has him, you know, has his market value at thirty million over three years. Uh, when you, you know, that's obviously too low. 
but uh, so you're going to want to sprinkle a few more million onto that. I would say they could maybe get him for 13 or 14, uh, but he's he's rep by Rosenhaus, and they're going to try to get as much money as possible. Sure. You know that. But uh, and beyond that, and I think that they need, and and this is something that you know this is a table. I'm going to start pounding pretty heavily here. Um, they need to bring in a quarterback who can push to a tongue by low for the starting job. Jacoby Brissett was not somebody who could push him for a starting job. Jacoby was thought of as a high-level backup. Uh, I know Jacoby called himself a starter. I had I watched five, six games from him last year. No, he's not. No, he's not. Good dude, not a starting caliber quarterback. Bring in a guy who could actually push him. And, and that's where, you know, I'm curious if – and people are going to roll their eyes because Jimmy G's mm. obviously has a ceiling, but he is a guy with experience who could – possibly push the envelope? Could Nick Foles possibly push the envelope? Could mm. Mitch Trubisky come in here and push him? That you know, Perhaps most realistically, could Trubisky come in here and do that? Could Teddy Bridgewater come here and do that? But somebody, find somebody who is going to actually challenge to a tongue of Iloa because while you want to build around him and you can show all the organizational support in the world, he still needs to show, to borrow another line from my good friend Charles, he needs to show flashes of brilliance not flashes of competence like mm. we've seen over the past few Interesting. Years. Yeah, I, I kind of like the way that you framed that. And I guess the last thing I have to ask you here is, it, at least from, the, from an outsider's perspective, firing Flores for the reasons sort of stated, which is the relationship with the quarterback was strained, the things he was doing looked like from the outside, like almost sabotage. Like he did not really believe in Tua, and there were some coaching decisions that you can go back and look back on and say, well, this sort of looks like sabotage a little bit. And... It was very clear that they chose Greer and Tua over Flores. That's what it looks like on the outside. So with that said, you mentioned Rodgers and Adams. I don't think that should just be thrown thrown to the side. But do you expect that based on who they hire a head coach – that the quarter that like you mentioned Jimmy G, I think that's possible. I don't think you bring in Jimmy G unless you're unless you think he's gonna start though. And I don't think Jimmy G is gonna go there unless he's given some sort of promise that like, hey, you know, you're coming in for competition, but you're gonna be the guy unless you just aren't the guy. Um, is the conversation around quarterback over with, or do you do you expect it to heat up before free agency starts? Uh, I, I would think so. I would think it has to because again, like you can. Brian Flores was, you know, from my understanding, the, he might not have worked well with certain players who are used to being coddled, but I've spoken with more than one player who said they mess with Coach Low heavily. That, you know, his, his style is his style, but, you know, he was a good coach, and he's always going to try to get the most out of you. Uh, I, I think the quarterback market's got to heat up a little bit. I think you do – you, if Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers are available, look, Chris Greer told us himself, anytime players who are thought to be one of the top at their position are available, we are going to do our due diligence. So if Aaron Rodgers is available, if Russell Wilson is available, they have to do their due diligence there because both of those options are better than Tua is right now and probably ever will be. Like With all due respect to Tua, those are two of the best quarterbacks to ever play the game. I'm not sure if that's Tua's ceiling. So, I, you know, I, I, speaking with uh, Mina Kimes a few weeks ago about what to do with Tua, she said, you know, there's there's no more argument about who's better between him, Burrow, and, and Herbert. Like, that conversation should be over. It's, it's pretty decided already. It should be Tua versus who is available for you. Sure. Tua versus 
this impending free agent market. Tua versus this draft class, which he's better than all of them, and like let's let's not be ignorant and pretend that he's not. Mm-hmm. Or Tua versus any of the superstar guys that are available. So I think you know once we get a little more clarity on the quarterback market, the quarterbacks who are available, I would expect the Dolphins to be players for all of them, um, except Deshaun Watson. I I really would love to say that that saga is over. Um, I, I think that Brian Flores leaving absolutely had an impact on how much Watson wants Miami. Um, I don't think that, you know, there have been reports that those two have been playing and they're like team up together and talk every day. That's a, a load. But uh, <laughs> like there was interest. Flores was a driving interest in why Watson wanted to come to Miami. They're not like pen pals or anything, sure. but he did like them. I mean, come on, man. Like where would they – have met to spend that much time together to be that close. It was just a weird report all the way around. But, uh, no, I, I would expect him to be out on Watson. Um, and I just – I would hope, you know, for Tua's sake, man, I would hope that Greer or Ross comes out and pulls a John Mara and just says straight up, you know, we are not trading for Deshaun Watson. And uh, I think, you know, after what you put your quarterback through last year, if you right. really want to support him – that's the first thing that you got to do. You got to move right on from that conversation entirely. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you, man. Well, listen, as always, buddy, appreciate your time. Uh, enjoy the the slate of games this weekend. Hopefully, you win some money. I'm going to be putting a little bit of money down and and betting on these games. Uh, I'll see you in about ten days or so. So make sure you get that driver ready because uh, I'm 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 coming down for some blood. So. Oh, I'm teeing off with my irons now. It's been a full de-evolution. Wow, since I got down a de-evolution. <laughs> <laughs> from 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 hybrid to irons, I love it. Long iron game. All right, my friend, we'll get ready. Uh, I'll, I I can't wait. We'll uh, eat some food, play some golf. Can't wait for it, and uh, enjoy your weekend, all right, buddy. Appreciate it, man. Y'all have a good one. Sounds good. Marcel Louis Jacques, ESPN, joining us there on the Western Highline. Got to take a time out. I got another break to come in. Greg Greg Gabriel, former uh, uh, scout for the Chicago Bears. We're gonna talk about the Bears moves and Matt Nagy, who who is a name that kind of keeps popping up uh, with people that are interested in him potentially taking over for the Bills' offensive quarter. We'll get his thoughts on Nagy, his future, and all that. That's coming up there at one o'clock here on WGR. All right, final 12 o'clock segment here on Sports Talk Saturday. Greg Gabriel, former Western New Yorker and uh, former Chicago front office member. He's going to join us. We're going to talk about the Chicago Bears offseason moves, their new GM, their new head coach, Matt Eberflus, Matt Nagy's prospects as an offensive coordinator moving forward. All of that's coming up next, so don't go anywhere. Here on the Home of the Bills, WGR Sports Radio 550. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. 
Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.